enjoying the coming start of spring. Welcome to Hamlet Pod. Again, just a little bit. Welcome to episode 161 of Hand of Pod. Uh, this one is coming to you live once more from my flat in Buenos Aires in San Telmo. And when I say live, I of course don't mean live at all. I don't know why I said that. I'm joined. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner. Hi, hello. Are, are you enjoying spring? I am not. I have been so far. It's bloody humid, though. Yeah. I, I've not been sleeping particularly well. And I feel slightly sort of... I've not got the energy that I need to have to tackle the humidity, especially today. What uh, are we but expect- it has been nice to walk around in shorts all the same. It's, uh, I, I know you are going to guess what are we expecting for tomorrow and Friday. Well, obviously a storm. Yeah. As happens in Buenos Aires when the humidity begins to build a bit, uh, which I'm looking forward to. I have, a, I have a ceiling that no longer leaks. Fingers crossed. Um, so, so it should be okay. Have you been enjoying spring? I'm not. I'm not enjoying this this humid weather. You have, you have to sit in an office all afternoon, don't you? Yeah. Which I don't, so uh, I can understand why. Um, anyway, and I was to get on rather than talking about the weather, as Porteños and British people do tend to do, if given the chance, um, to talk about that other mutual uh, love that we have, which is football, and in this case, Argentine football, as ever, because this is Hand of Pod, after all. Um, we have an exciting week to look back on in the Primera, a particularly fruitful week, it must be said, for the league leaders. We shall get on to that in a minute. But first of all, Argentina's two friendlies in the Far East. Did you catch either of them? Uh, well, uh, I couldn't uh, catch both of both matches. I, uh, I, I watched uh, the goals of the, the defeat against Brazil and the obvious victory against Hong Kong yesterday morning, our morning and their night, I think. So... Uh, yeah, it was the not against Brazil, against Hong Kong was a like feeling a forum, but um, I, I think that the it's plenty of time to to analyze and to evaluate uh, what what will be of the, the national team uh, with Martino as a coach, yeah, as, as the coach of the national team, of course. But uh, it, Perhaps we, we all expected a different performance against Brazil, uh, uh, most, uh, because they, they they couldn't play each other in the in the World Cup, and this was, this was like a well a, a, a match a first match with Dunga as the as the, as the coach of Brazil uh, for an international friendly, and and well uh, I couldn't watch the the, the matches live, but. Yes, I could could watch the the, the goals and but that, I didn't uh, uh, get any conclusion about them. No, indeed, um, I did. Well, I watched the Brazil game live. I was going to get up for the Hong Kong game, um, and then I realised that 
I was quite enjoying playing football manager and watching The Wire the night before and why the hell am I going to get up at 9 o'clock in the morning to watch Argentina's reserves play Hong Kong um, so I decided to just carry on playing and uh, get up at my normal time instead um, so I didn't see the Argentina Hong Kong game I've not even seen any of the goals from it yet which is uh, most um, uh, lax of me given that I knew we were recording today but against Brazil um, decent first half a bit more frustrating in the second and just they let themselves down with a couple of brain farts in defence, really. Um, who was the guy who scored? Tardelli. Tardelli scored the, the two goals. Diego Tardelli. Um, and I don't know how much you... OK, it's against Ar- it's Argentina, Brazil, and we'll get all of the... There's no such thing as a friendly, all of that bullshit out of the way, because it was a friendly, so there clearly is such a thing as a friendly between those two sides. Um but are you worried that much about the result in in itself? You know, aside from the performance and and, and whatnot. Because of the rival, you always want to win against your. Obviously, yeah. But I mean, in terms of how you're looking to, as an Argentine, which is why I'm I'm putting yeah. the question to you, of course, uh, Andres. Um, in terms of how you look to the future and, and sort of want to to take clues as to what Martino is going to be doing with the side. Do you worry too much about a 2-0 defeat to Brazil in his second match in charge? Or... There are the dogs, by the way. They're going to be joining us for this recording as well from upstairs. Well, if Argentina plays like we think, or at least I think it will play with with Martino, it, it will be more risky in terms of that it, it was proved that they will play more offensively with more, perhaps, not that... A, a solid a solidness that meant meant playing defensively or with a more defensive thinking thinking a play. It was. It, I think it is more. A, a, of course, you have to be more careful with teams like Brazil or with a, players that are quite. Uh, definite, like for example, when Tardelli was the scorer of the two, of both goals, but for example, Neymar scored four uh, against Japan. Uh, he scored bo- all of the of the goals, right? Uh, I uh, think so. I'm not sure. Well, but uh, you he certainly scored four. You have to be careful with, with players. With, with of, of course, Neymar, for example. Uh, but um, I, I I think that for the future, it is in, more interesting for. For watching the Argentina play, the the style that Martino wants to 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 to, to put into the pitch, which is more offensively, more open, not a, a not so counter-attack thinking, more more attacking and not a, a, well, like we say here, a, a putting the preparing the team from the defense to the attack. Mm. Which was a Sabella feature, or when 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 the injuries in the, in the World Cup uh, uh, were uh, uh, were uh, uh, well, Di Maria, Aguero, Iguain were injured, and they he and Sabella needed to change and to put something different into into the team. He played like he wanted at the first time, I think, which was more solid, more uh, more, more more defensive and. These these are the first uh, trials or tests or friendlies with with Martina and we have to wait. But uh, of course we have to be more more careful and be uh, more uh, 
uh, well, with, with players like 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 I said, Neymar. I think that there wasn't any plans on Tardelli, because who no one thought I think that he would be the, the who would play the way he did. But uh, uh, as, uh, for the future, I think that he will be. We have to be special. We have to be special. Uh, care with uh, matches like this, like like uh, friendlies against Brazil or matches against Brazil, which are not friendlies, I think. But uh, uh, there is a, a Copa America, which, which Messi said after the match, after Hong Kong match, that we are preparing for Copa America. Sure. The 2015 one, of yes. course, not the 2016 one. I, I suppose that one as well, in a way. They're both so close together that it's difficult to differentiate. Um, the Hong Kong match was a particularly bizarre one. I only found out today that it's actually organised... Um, well, it wasn't organised for this specific purpose, but the, the money that the AFA took from it actually doesn't get to the AFA at all. Do you know where it goes to? No. Futbolistas Agremiados Argentinos, which is the, uh, the players' union... They did have a deal with the AFA to uh, play two local Selección friendlies each year, uh, which of course was the old Super Clásico de las Américas against Brazil um, in in the last few years. Uh, and for all of the proceeds from those matches, sponsorship and gate receipts and whatnot, to go to to the players' union. Um, and of course, because they're not uh, bothering to do that anymore, um, the head of the the players' union agreed with the AFA that uh, they'd go to just one match each year including with, with the senior national team um, and it would be you know one of these these friendlies starting with, with this one against Hong Kong so uh, as a result the AFA didn't realise uh, according to this I was reading it in La Nacion uh, whilst eating my lunch earlier um, they didn't realise until quite late on that they were going to be severely out of pocket if they flew the, flew the players over to Hong Kong because they were having to pay to put the players up in the hotels to fly them over to Hong Kong and to, to pay for all the rest of it and they were giving all of the money um, to Futbolistas Agremiados and Luis Segura ended up phoning around and, uh, and managing to, to get the, uh, the Hong Kong FA to chip in or something so the AFA aren't out of pocket um, but Futbolistas Agremiados get the gate receipts and that kind of helps to justify a faintly ridiculous friendly really with a very silly kind of lineup, one which is, as La Nacion put it, isn't going to actually see the light of day, that national side. It was a different, very different side uh, from the one which had featured a few days earlier in Brazil. Um, we had up front, it was uh, Nic- uh, Nicolas Gaetan alongside Gonzalo Higuain, um, the starting lineup at least. Um, the defence was, uh, well, Guzman played in goal and was replaced yes. at half time by Agustin Marquesin of Lanús. Um, and who else was in defence? Uh, Santiago Benjini played the Sunderland player. Um, Leonel Vangioni, obviously, from having been called up uh, from River Plate, the left-back. Um, and a couple of the others um, who'd been called up from the local leagues or played. So it was an interesting kind Otamendi of mixed line-up. Otamendi did play, yeah, yes. right, alongside Virginia, centre-back. I can't remember who was at right-back. Um, so it was an interesting sort of mixed line-up, um, but not one from which a future national team is likely to come. And I think that uh, perhaps that might have have partly been you know we had injuries and stuff as well we'd have liked to see Matthias Kranevita there of course um, but uh, but he's out for the rest of the year uh, but yeah I mean 7 in against Hong Kong what can you learn from that really nothing <laughs> right. I, I, I think it was more useful for example for things like calling up Roberto Pereira who is as, I, as far as I am concerned a, a very good a career in, in Juventus in Italy and, and I think that they could the, the, his performance could make Italy Italy to call him up instead if he was good enough 
we have to remember Osvaldo, for example, Gabriel Paleta, uh, as players that have have been have, have been called up for for Italy national team, mm. and this could be a, another case in which a, a player that is doing it very good and and and, and the and the national and the national team coach uh, calls him up and and, and in, by by playing for Argentina that option in case uh, the the Italian national team manager uh, sees as as a possibility to to play for 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 the team to call him up so uh, this is useful for things like that for example yeah and, and to get an idea of how that play fits in with the group and everything as well you're quite right uh, we're just going to I'm, I'm going to interrupt Andres for a second just to mention that whilst we're recording the uh, round. Eight, I think it is, match uh, between Godoy Cruz and Tigre in Mendoza, the one that was uh, called off as, as regular listeners will remember a couple of weeks ago due to the Spring Day celebrations causing a big uh, absence of police in the park that Godoy Cruz Stadium is in. Uh, no, sorry, the, the Mendoza's Municipal Stadium is in. It's not Godoy Cruz's stadium, but it is where they play. Um, it's currently being played. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday evening. And it's, uh, it's just gone to 3-3, which is the score that Godoy Cruz had in their last match as well, away uh, from home. And that seems like a good segue into, entirely coincidentally, I promise, it was completely unplanned. Uh, even when I started saying that sentence, it didn't occur to me. But it's a beautiful segue to move into the local league and what happened the weekend just gone. Incredibly changing game because 10 minutes ago it was 3-1 in favour of Tigre. To, to Tigre, yeah. Godoy yeah. Cruz have scored twice in quick succession, which again is something they managed at the weekend, so we might as well start with that game since I've already given away what happened. Um, they visited Lanús on, uh, where is it? On Friday. on Friday, blimey. It felt like yesterday. It was uh, no time at all ago. Um, on Friday, and Lanús playing at home, and with that long unbeaten record, uh, were 2 0 up shortly after half time. Um, it was only 1-0 at half-time, but it was actually quite an entertaining first half as well. Um, and Godoy Cruz then proceeded to score three goals in the space of 13 minutes to take a 3-2 lead before Silvio Romero got an equaliser for Lanús five minutes after that. Um, and we had the final score of 3-3. That, of course, is a vital result in terms of the title race because you will recall, dear listeners, that Lanús, prior to that match, was second in the table and... You may or may not recall this because I can't remember whether we mentioned it, but it was the case. If they had won that match, they would have gone top of the league, at least until River Plate played their match on Sunday. As it was, that didn't happen. Lanús drew. Uh, they they stalled on to 21 points. And what we then had was a weekend during which the other chasers of the of uh, River, uh, Independiente, Atletico de Rafaela, um, uh, Vélez Sarsfield, I think they all dropped points, didn't they? Um, let me see. Independent. Not Vélez, but they they weren't they were pretty well, behind. I'm leaving Vélez out for precisely that reason, and, and indeed Tigre. But we'll come to them in a second. But Independiente uh, were held to a one-one draw by Defensa Justicia. Independiente actually needed a, a stoppage time equaliser from Sebastián Penco. That was the one that you'll recall that uh, both myself and Peter said that both sides to score would be a good bet there. Um, we were just about right. It was it was actually a very good match. <laughs> Uh, in spite of the fact that it didn't end up 3-3, it ended up just 1-1. It was a very entertaining match. Um, so that was Independiente on, on Sunday. Uh, Racing and Atletico de Rafaela. Atletico got a 2-2 draw um, at home to Banfield after being 2-0 up after just 18 minutes as well. Racing joined the chasing pack. They did win. They got a 4-0 win away to Estudiantes, who were previously unbeaten at home. 
what is it with Racing? Why do they keep doing this? They look dreadful for it's, a match. Then they go out and do this, and you can guarantee that when they get back to their own stadium, they're going to stutter to a draw or something this weekend and look pathetic. It's a shame that, that uh, English Dan is on here, yeah. because we, we should ask him which is the real Racing. If mm-hmm. the one that uh, was brilliant and, and but lost against Rafaela, and the one against Estudiantes, which was, of course, good, not the as, as good as... as as uh, the, the the one that played against Rafaela, but was a very goal scorer and with including Bow, which is now yes a, also that one Bow got another two goals for his collection. Um, I'm not sure how many that takes him to. We can easily find out if I click top scorers. This is for the, the whole championship, not just for Racing. Uh, Bow is the fourth top scorer. There were three players tied on eight. Teófilo Gutiérrez, Federico Mancuello, who didn't score for Independiente at the weekend, and Silvio Romero, and Gustavo Bu is all on his own on seven. Um, one ahead of Lucas Prato of Vélez Sarsfield, who is supposedly, as everybody says every time Vélez win a match, the best player in the league. So, is Gustavo Bu more than the best player in the league? I, I think Mancuello is the best, and, and, Man- and Bu is, if it continues like this, will be a serious candidate. To, hmm. to be also the but Manquesho is worth pointing out as well as well we're mentioning him uh, he's just signed a new contract with Independiente with a five million dollar release clause which is I think he's not bearing in not mind that, that much. three months ago everybody thought he was rubbish but only two ter- two year terms contract because uh, I, I imagine I think he will he will like he will we uh, he will want to to try and play again uh, if he continues with this performance. To go broader, I think. If he keeps this up for the rest of the championship and then they get an offer for him in mm. December, January, they'd be stupid not to let him go and he'd be stupid not to go, right? Because given what he's shown for his whole career to date, it's a bit of a risk to suggest that uh, he might be able to keep it up for another half tournament. Um, but uh, here in Argentina, we don't... Uh, or No, no. There is no prize given to the man of the match or or man, man of the week or, like, for example, in MLS, that Diego Valeri was given the prize... For the player of the week, mm. because he scored two goals in against I do not remember that he's at Portland Timbers, and that is something strange. Here is not a there is not a price like that uh, of the week or the month or for or even I think for the for the man of the tournament. No, so no, there's not. Um, which is a shame for Gustavo Bu and also for Federico Manquesho and perhaps for Teo Gutierrez. We've had some pretty good attacking performances from, from yes. quite a few sides, actually. Um, so whilst Lanús and uh, the other lot that I mentioned, Atletico de Rafaela, were, were both held, Racing um, thrashed Independiente to, to go into uh, fourth place now. And Tigre got a, yet another victory. Um, they are, of course, currently being held 3-3. And by the time we finish talking about the title race, we'll probably be able to tell you whether they're still... Uh, rocketing up the table because there are 11 minutes no there are six, five minutes sorry left of that match um, but Tigre got a 1-0 win over Gimnasia La Plata in the very first match of the weekend uh, thanks to a Carlos Luna penalty Luna has also scored two of Tigre's goals today if they can hang on um, if, if they manage to find a winning goal against Godoy Cruz by the way they're going to go up to 19 points they'll be level with Racing um, in fourth place and actually leapfrog Racing on goal difference if they do win this game um, but the big winners of the weekend without a shadow of a doubt were 
River Plate, who after three consecutive draws, uh, away to Arsenal, away to Lanús, and then at home to Boca Juniors, um, managed to return to winning ways thanks to a Ramiro Funes Mori header from a corner, which was a corner, um, to give them a 1-0 win away to Newell's. Um, Funes Mori, of course, was suspended, as you'll remember us saying last week he was sent off against Boca Juniors, um, but he was allowed to play this one because of Leonardo Angioni. Eder Alvarez, Balanta and Teo Gutierrez all being called up for their national sides. The AFRA allows clubs to uh, have suspensions postponed until those international players come back. Um, so he will sit out his suspension this coming weekend. In the meantime, he's proved very useful for River. What did you think of River's performance on Sunday evening, Andres? It was much more um, tight match than we were used to, to watch, uh, especially with the dry dry pitch with because some some people said that wet uh, wet um, wet pitches and wet fields were not convenient for river because of the style of play they they were trying to to put into practice which is touching more the ball than uh, from the the grass and, and not not uh, with not no long long balls and and uh, with the wet uh, wet uh, grass it was Obvious, it was they were obliged to, to to do that to to put more long balls and not uh, not short passes, and in this case it was a, a, a match in which I think Gallardo said it before uh, after the match. Uh, uh, News was bright better, uh, uh, much better in the first half, and they had to be comfortable with that situation, to think, and to be intelligent, and to uh, uh, adapt to that. Si- so that situation, which was not usual in this in this tournament, up to that match, River was more the the one who dominated the the, the rival, and this in this case was different. Mm. And they they knew that the the, the corner kicks or, or free kicks were a, 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 perhaps a weapon in, a, a, for River to to take advantage of, and it was like that. Um, so it was a, only a header of Funes Mori, and then to to. Be more in, into defense, which also was not, was different because we were used to to watch more uh, to 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 watch River press to do pressing a, a, a high press, uh, even though they scored the goal or, or one or two goals and they they continued and went on with the with the press. In this case, I think that physically they are starting to feel that they are uh, perhaps. Uh, uh, it's a long time since they are they are, they are doing that and, and 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 it's not possible to do it all the time to do it every match and and they were intelligent perhaps we, we a lot of people will say that it's not very intelligent to 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 go more into defense and and and, and try to to resist but that was what river did uh, against news in Rosario which is a difficult uh, a difficult uh, stadium in which seven years uh, it was seven years since river didn't get a, a victory i think the last one was in 2007 so it is in in numbers it was a very very valuable victory not in not in terms of play it wasn't uh, uh, brilliant it wasn't very uh, well what, what we, we are used to to watch in this tournament at least so uh, uh, and and the, but the good the good uh, what what I good uh, value is that they admit 
admitted when they are not doing, not playing well, like like was on on Sunday. They they admitted that Newell's was better in the first half, that the ball was dominated by 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 them, and and, and River couldn't get it. And in the second half, mostly because of the goal, they couldn't could be more uh, in 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 control of the game and, and news was like shut down. It was like they couldn't react and and more important, I think Raggio was thinking more uh, about Rosario Central which will be played this week, this Close. Sunday, than the match against River because Coco, Tevez and Figueroa weren't in the starting lineup. No, they were all um they're all coming back from injury as well. In fact, those players, although Skoko, I think, came off the bench in, in the second yes. half. Uh, they're all on the verge of coming back, but he didn't want to risk any of them, um, bringing them back and then finding them injured uh, going into the, the Rosario Clasico. Um, I, I thought that River were, were OK, but of course the important thing for this point of view is that they've given themselves a bit of a cushion now. They're four points clear at the top of the league. They're still unbeaten. Uh, River have 25 points. Lanús in second half, 21. Independiente have 20 Racing have 19. We're now into stoppage time in Mendoza and uh, still 3-3 between Godoy Cruz and Tigre. So it looks at this point, although don't say anything too soon, um, as if Tigre are stuck on 17, one behind. Oh, Tigre have... Uh, no, Godoy Cruz have just scored, as I said that. So Tigre, there you go, drop down to 16 points. Probably. Unless they get two more in the remaining three minutes, which wouldn't be surprising. This is Argentine football. And if you can hear that background pattering, it's the pattering of rain on the ceiling, I think. It is. It's starting to rain. Um, so those are the top the, the top five, sorry. River, 25. Lanús, 21. Independiente, 20. Racing, 19. Atletico de Rafaela on 18. And then a bunch of sides below them on 17 and 16, of whom Tigre look like being one of the ones on 16. We shall confirm in a couple of minutes. Um, lower down the table... We don't really need to look too much lower on the table because relegation isn't an issue. But Vélez, it's worth pointing out, have rejoined the chasing pack. They are on 17 points, so they're going to be probably sixth after full-time goes in this match. Um, with a spectacular 4-1 win against Olimpo, that was their first victory since the fourth round of matches. They won their first four in a row and then they haven't won since until uh, this weekend just gone. And some really nice goals as well. Yes. They're and, really good. And just when there was... Of course, when when the team when the team is is losing three or four matches in a row, they they start saying that that the coach is is under threat. And in this case, it was no ex- exception about Jose Turu Flores. And well, that that victory puts him puts him in safe, I think. Yes, it, yes. Uh, it, safe it should. Do, yeah, I, I would have thought so. Um, how are Olimpo looking? Do you think that? When it comes to their manager, the bottom of the table, um, they've only got two victories so far. Yeah. It's not looking great, is it? Um, they're also the only side. Oh no, sorry, they're not because Himnasia have only scored nine goals. But the, Olimpo and Himnasia are one of only uh, the only two teams who have yet to hit double figures in terms of goals for, um, which is remarkable in a championship which has been pretty high scoring. Uh, River in eleven matches have got twenty three goals. Lanús have got 17, Independiente and Racing have 19 each, uh, Atletico have 14, Tigre have got 17, 
including these three, I think this is, because I think this table updates live that we're looking at. Uh, Veles have 15, Yules have 12. Up to this, up to the last it's round. About top seven, is it? River was the top uh, goal scorer and Racing was the second one, and but obviously with the help of the four goals scored to, to Estudiantes. Mm. But even, uh, River was giving some advantage in the last four matches in which the, his, they scored only four, uh, four goals in the last four matches. I mean, one... One goal each in in each of the of those matches. One Arsenal, one to Lanús, one to Boca, and one to Newell's. Yes, yeah. Um, but even so, they're they're, uh, they're getting that. And and also the other point is that when lots of teams are scoring lots of goals, the converse means that lots of teams are conceding lots of goals as well because yeah. <laughs> they've got to be scoring those goals against somebody and in that uh, respect the one statistic that really stands out I think is Rivers' goals against column which reads six. The next best defence in the league is Gimnasia, who've conceded 10. Um, River, when they're... Oh, I thought that one had gone in. I thought that was 4 all. Oh. Blimey. Right at the death as well. R- River, when they're... Um... <laughs> To apologise for the slightly self-interrupting nature of this comment. River, when they're controlling matches and and keeping possession of the ball, it really acts as defending in possession, the the, the Barcelona way, as it were, except River appeared to have defenders who know how to defend as well. Looks like, well, they they did a lot in the last matches, in the past matches, and now they are taking more rest. And and even though uh, they they are still, like you said, the more... The top goal scorer and, and they conceded less goals than, than any of the other 19 teams. So uh, yes, 22 and six, 22 in favor favor goals and six against, right? So well, it's it's a remarkable figure. Uh, uh, more taking this that like we are saying that they are uh, they scored only four goals in the last four matches, but they only conceded conceded two in no three, sorry. Because it was three three draws, one one, and the mm. last victory. But yes, it's it's this gives more value to the to the last matches because uh, uh, they are still uh, taking that difference of the past matches. So yes, brilliant. Yeah, I think that they're also the only side who've scored in every one of their matches. I might not be, uh, I've not had time to check that, but I think it's right. Um, Full time in Mendoza, and it is Godoy Cruz four, Tigre three. So that is the first match. In the league, since Gustavo Alfaro took charge, which Tigre have failed to win. In fact, not even the first match that they've lost, but the first game that they haven't won. Um, so well done them. It's also Godoy Cruz's third victory of the season, and it accounts for just under one quarter of the goals that they've scored. Godoy Cruz this season. I'm just going to bring up their matches so far because they've scored seven goals in the last two games, having previously scored yeah ten in the previous nine. So I don't know what's good. They've also conceded six in the last two, but defence has been a bit of a problem for them all the way through. Um, so well done, Godoy Cruz. But if you can sort out your, your back line, uh, you might find yourself rising up the table a little bit. Um, other matches. The weekend just gone. I'll run through all of the scores. Vélez, uh, as we say, beat Olimpo 4-1. Belgrano and Quilmes drew one apiece um, in Cordoba. We mentioned Estudiantes nil Racing 4. Atletico de Rafaela 2, Banfield 2, we mentioned as well. Boca Juniors versus Rosario Central. That was a pretty good game as well. Um, it was the first match all weekend. It was the seventh match to take place. No, it wasn't. It was the eighth match to take place. Um, and it was the first match all weekend that Mystic Sam called correctly. 
Boca Juniors win. And even that looked like not being the case for a long spell because uh, Jose Valencia put uh, Central 1-0 up with a header just before half-time. And Boca really struggled after that until um, Central had a man sent off. I can't remember who it was. I should click on the button, shouldn't I, and see who it was. It was uh, Leandro, is it? Acevedo. Somebody or other. Uh, Lucas Acevedo. Um, after which, Boca scored twice in quick succession. Um, Mariano Echeverria and Leandro Marin uh, to, to win 2-1 and keep a pretty good run under Rodolfo Arroa Barrena going. They're playing Capiata um, and Rosario Central Fan Club um, tonight in the Copa Sudamericana. Andres laughs at me calling them that, but in fact I jokingly, well actually no, I, in, in all seriousness, I asked uh, Ralph Hanna, Paraguay Ralph on Twitter, um, whether Capiata's badge was a deliberate rip-off of Central's badge or not. I apologise for the beeping that you can pick up on the microphone there. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Uh, whether it was a deliberate uh, rip-off of Central's badge or not. And the answer is yes. They were founded, literally, by a Paraguayan Central fan club um, six years ago. And this evening, they play in La Bombonera against Boca Juniors in the Copa Sudamericana, just after we finish recording this podcast. Um, we shall be sticking around in my flat for a pizza I think to watch that together uh, once we finish um, so hard lines for Central but Boca have got to do it all over again against a side with a very similar badge and I believe Kit um, in just over an hour's time it's five past eight now and that game I think kicks off at quarter past nine uh, Newell's Nil River one we have mentioned and the final match of the weekend uh, Arsenal de Sarandi versus San Lorenzo which began very well it was really good the first 10 minutes and that turned out to be all there was for the whole 90 um, apart from some wading birds coming onto the pitch some uh, southern lapwings or um, looks like Brian Aleman plovers sticked with that 10 minutes because after the match he said it was a nice spectacle yeah. a nice match to watch and to play it wasn't and after that 10 minutes as you said it was just terrible I mean it might have been nice to play of course we can't uh, give an opinion on that but it certainly wasn't nice to watch it was dreadful. Um, but Arsenal, rather mid-table, really. Is Martin Palermo going to come into much, under much pressure, do you think, as manager? I think under almost any other club, you'd be talking about it, wouldn't you? I, I haven't heard Arsenal, anything about... expectations are low. They've shown patience with the last couple of managers. I haven't heard anything about him, his position being... Uh, if he was sure in his, in his position or not... I, I really didn't. didn't uh, I think that the the, the way they, the Arsenal played against River was like fresh air because for him because he didn't lose and he played better than River or at least he was a, a, a an even match against the the team that was playing very uh, very good in a very good way. So I I, I thought it was perhaps uh, some space he won. Mm. But I don't know now, uh, Arsenal is not winning, and I think uh, in terms of play, it's not showing anything also. No, that's the thing. It's um, they, they, They're not great to watch at present, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but even so. And San Lorenzo, okay, we're going to be getting a few questions, I would think, in the next month and a bit about how San Lorenzo are doing, because... Of course, we have the, the Club World, World Cup coming up in December. Um, San Lorenzo are going to be South America's entrance, having won the Copa Libertadores for the first time ever. And we're not going to provide a preview of San Lorenzo's chances in the Club World Cup just yet, but the draw has been made. 
we'll provide a proper preview closer to the time. And they're playing. Is it the winners of the inaugural match? Or something? They've avoided Cruz Azul anyway, which apparently was yes. what they wanted to happen. The team from Morocco, I think it will, will be champion, champion of Morocco, or, or they will have to wait for the, the match against that the champion of, of, of that country. I don't remember. Let's ask Dr. Google what he thinks. Uh, let me see. Here we go. But it will, de- will definitely be played. Because it was like the, some alarm in terms of of, of how the Ebola will develop or not in Morocco. Yes, indeed. Uh, assuming it does get played, um, we have got... Let's have a look at the draw. Right, match one, and I apologise to our Moroccan listeners if I'm mispronouncing this, is between Maghreb Teltouan and Auckland City. Um Maghreb Teltouan being the uh, champions of Morocco, of course, as the host nation. Uh, the quarterfinals will be between the winners of that match um, and the champions of Africa. And the winners of that quarterfinal will play San Lorenzo. Uh, in the other quarterfinal, it will be Cruz Azul against the winners of the AFC, which is the Asian um, uh, football uh, confederation, isn't it? Um, and the winners of those uh, of, of between those teams will play Real Madrid in the other semi-final. Um, but so San Lorenzo, we, if, we assume that, to, as it was expected, that the final will be San Lorenzo against Real Madrid. So we'll have. Well, yeah, they're always kept apart, the yes, South American and, and, and European so sides. So we, we actually will watch uh, Jonathan. Sand- uh, no, sorry, um, Nestor Ortigosa run against. Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo yes. Let's hope so. But San, San Lorenzo, if they're looking to try and take this championship seriously and to make a, this championship, I mean, the, the Torneo de Transición, seriously and really make a statement and, and go out to Morocco in, in really good spirits and, you know, make, make themselves feared, then they're not going very... They're not doing it very well, are they? They're, they've won a few. They've won four games. It's not like they've really been absolutely dreadful down at the bottom of the table, but they've lost five... Um, and, and drawn a couple. They haven't scored in the last two matches. They've only they, they've failed to score in three of the last four. We, we have to think that as, as I as I read uh, some time ago, uh, for Bausa, for example, is 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 he's more he's made for 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 uh, matches or for competitions in which there is an elimination involved. It's one one uh, one by one uh, head to head matches with uh, at least one leg and or first and second leg and not a long term championship because it is something very strange. I don't I, I don't figure how how come they they won. Well, of course it, that that releases a lot of pressure, which is which means re- being relaxed and being more like well we did it we won the the Copa Libertadores the tournament that every San Lorenzo fan or supporter wanted in their history mm. is the first time but then you have to continue playing and, and, and this I think is it's very very it's not very but not usual like a, a performance like this uh, of course we we should ask a, a supporter of San Lorenzo supporter which is will be Mariana for example to to uh, ask him what he th- thinks about this Indeed, and we'll certainly be trying to get Mariano on before um, San Lorenzo head to Morocco, mostly because he's going to Morocco as well. 
he's he's that much of a fan. He's actually going to the the Club World Cup. Um, but uh, yeah, at least at just past the halfway point of, of this championship, San Lorenzo staggering a bit and, and not looking like they're entirely concentrating. Uh, the other competition that we need to mention is the Copa Sudamericana, which, as we mentioned, Boca Juniors are kicking off in in a uh, about an hour's time. Um, because on Tuesday evening there were the first two Argentine matches in the round of 16 which were between Estudiantes de la Plata and Peñarol of Montevideo in Uruguay and Lanús played away to Cerro Porteño in Asunción in Paraguay Um, Estudiantes got a 2-1 victory and Lanús lost 2-1 so both of them finished 2-1 to the home side Um, did you catch either of them? I watched part of them both matches and the students just grabbed a, a victory in the last minute with a, a penalty scored by, by Carrillo I think it was a deserved win that, though. It, it was a pretty decent game um, but I thought Estudiantes were, were the better side even though they had to wait for the yeah. for the winner um, by and large La Cerro Porteño was was a good game um, Cerro Porteño took, went 2-0 up with, with two goals in the space of about four minutes from uh, Romero and Santiago Silva just when Romero the one from Lanús got into the pitch yes and the yeah. Romero that scored the goals was uh, the, the Cerro Porteño one but I think it wasn't making a, a, a poor game uh, by Lanús it was a decent game but the, the goals in the well the the, the, the the defensive some defensive mistakes and and and, and the opportunism from, from Romero the one from Cerro Porteño made the 2-1 which was very very frustrating at that point. Then the the goal from Santiago Silva made it much uh, decent for them because of course the as the as the rule of the way goal is in this uh, stage is is on the, mm. by by winning one nil in the second leg they they will be done they will be through yeah. quarterfinals and and I think that that's the case. It's a cliche to say and everything, but yes. I think that in this case, especially in a against an opponents, opponents like uh, Cerro Porteño, who we already know are very strong at home and are very strong in continental competition. Um, I think it's definitely the case that that, that uh, the away goal is, is what's going to give Lanús And Guillermo admitted that they have made mistakes, which was also particular because we were uh, really, really used to to, watch, to listen him, to him complaining about the referees and the, yeah. pro- and the schedule of the Trying matches. Just the blame to anybody else. Yes. Can, yeah. And in this case, he he said that yes, we we made mistakes and and we will be very hard to to turn around the the results, but we have to do it. Well, that's something different to to the declarations we we were listening before. Indeed, yeah. Uh, the other matches, as we say, that haven't been played yet, one of them will have been before this goes online because it's kicking off. As I keep mentioning in about an hour's time, is Boca against Capiata. Uh, I, I watched some. I, I saw some Boca Juniors supporters uh, waiting for the bus stop. Because you were coming down here, I'm sure yes. you did. Yeah, the stadium's about a, a mile directly south, almost almost exactly south of of, of here. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's pretty frequent the, the buses and stuff heading, especially down this avenue, just just next to the house. Um, I try not to be crossing it before Boca home games, especially when there's rush hour. Anyway, because the traffic's a nightmare. Um, and the other match is in Asuncion again, where River uh, will be visiting Libertad of Paraguay. Um, that's a tricky one. And it's also the beginning, or the other day it was the beginning, of, of uh, one of my favourite Spanish words, seguidilla. Um, 
of a, of a quick a run of matches for River where they've got to play something silly like seven matches in eight days, days or something like that yeah. you'll think the way that the media go on about it that it was uh, even more insane but yeah something like 21 days um, they, they don't have more than a three day rest period and this is really given, especially given the fact that River have a relatively small squad it's going to be where we find out just how much the pressing game that Gachardo has um, inculcated into this Riverside is going to take the toll because as you mentioned against Newell's they found it a bit tricky and they look slightly tired um, today apparently it's 38 degrees Celsius in Asuncion so we shall see what it's like tomorrow um, but it'll be very interesting to see see whether River adapt the game and they play slightly deeper or what uh, but that's, that's going to be on Thursday night um, so you will hopefully have been able to listen to this before that one will Rivari be in the as, as, a, as a third as the left back or as it happened against News Funes Mori Ramiro Funes Mori will be taking part of the match because we have to mention that as you said Van Hioni played the, as a, a, a in the starting 11 formation for Argentina against Hong Kong and will be arriving in the last following days yeah although having said that Agustino Rion uh, oh no he didn't go did he he didn't play for the, the national side yes. I was about to say no, he's he playing tonight for Boca but that's uh, that's irrelevant because yeah sorry ignore me <laughs> um, but no I, in terms of Uribarri or Funev Mori I've not read anything let's see what Ole think because um, I haven't seen anything yet but I haven't had a look at the River page of their website today and they say that Yeah, Gabriel Mercado is fit to play first of all he picked up an injury um, the right back against uh, Newell's at the weekend and uh, left back what does it say no they're not saying anything I don't think it's occurred to them so it's a question that needs asking Andres and you're the man to ask it well um, I, unfortunately I, we don't have an answer what I think is that they will. there will be the same draw the same They're talking about him not changing the side for, changing, for the weekend, yes. so yeah, it could well be. But at the same time, it wouldn't be too much of a surprise to see a bit of rotation. Which now, now that I, I am just remembering uh, the way that, for example, Libertad will play, or, or the style of play, I think that yes, Rogelio, sorry, Rogelio, Ramiro Funes Mori will be in the right left back again because of the of the height. Mm. Uh, we 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 know that Oribarri. Perhaps it's more natural left back. You will like him or not, but he's more natural left back. But he's just smaller than than, than Ramiro. He's much taller, much taller, and, and in terms of of of, of heading in yeah in, in long uh, balls or, or or corner kicks, free kicks will be will be viral. I think so. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's also just a, in, in passing a quick mention to Adalberto Roman, who of course is playing for Libertad tomorrow against his former side, um, and is quoted in today's papers as saying that he watches all of River's matches because he's a lifelong supporter of them, and he doesn't allow the fact that he played his infamous part in their relegation um, mm -hmm. to get in the way, even though it was very painful for him. Yes, a lot of people wonder how he will be, how will he be received when he is at the Monumental. Because we all know the, the 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 way he played against Belgrano for the for the playoff, uh, not to relegate, that River finally relegated, and he he made a ridiculous penalty with his hand. Mm. That's the way. That's the the reason why. Uh, well, uh, this uh, 
big question mark how he will be received. Yeah, we'll, we'll see that. We'll find out that next week. Um, for now, I'm going to play some music, and when we come back, we shall answer some listeners' questions. So don't go anywhere. question this week is from David Ellingham again who has emailed me um, and says wants to know how Adolfo Pereira is remembered in Argentina how much of a role did he play in the development of Alfredo Di Stefano you're Argentine Andres and you're a River fan yes Pereira was one of the of the players of La Máquina of the most one of the most famous uh, pair of strikers well not pair it was five players that were uh, uh, most remembered for, for a team in Argentina or at least River Plate the strike force yeah. yes, uh, yes. Pedronera Muñoz Labruna Moreno and Lostal yes yes yeah. even I can do it which you'd expect given what, what, what I do for my living but uh, there we go um Yeah, Pedernera, uh, I actually uh, was asked during the World Cup ahead of the final um, for ESPN FC to put together an all-time Argentina 11, um, and I picked Pedernera as, as one of the forwards. He's widely seen, including, it's worth pointing out, by Di Stefano uh, as the man who taught Di Stefano to play. And of course, Pedernera played a huge role um, when he was an older player in the strike um, the, the players strike in 1938 which led to an exodus of Argentine players and also players in Uruguay um, yeah. from their league to Colombia to play in, in the uh, the pirate league in the era that's now known as El Dorado um, Pedernera was, was the first big name player from Argentina to go over and to sign for Millonarios in Bogotá And he went back about uh, a couple of months later, came back to Buenos Aires and taught Nestor Rossi, who was the f number five, the, the defensive, um, well, defensive midfielder slash deep line playmaker of La Máquina. And also taught uh, Alfredo Di Stefano, who at the time was about 20 or 19 or 20, 21 years old, um, into coming back to Bogotá um, with him whilst they were on strike. And, and so there... That was, was when uh, Di Stefano really started to form as a player. I would recommend, highly recommend, a back episode, because I know that David, I know from his emails, is a relatively new listener. Um, if anybody else is interested in hearing this, I highly recommend the episode that we recorded during the World Cup, uh, the World Cup semi-final um, preview episode, which I can't remember what number it is, um, but if you have a look for it, have a pod, it's the only one that we re-recorded actually during the tournament itself. And in that, we had Argentine football historian Esteban Beckerman on as a guest um, because we recorded it either the day or the day after um, Alfredo Di Stefano died. And Esteban talks about Pedernera um, at some length on that podcast and about his uh, influence on Di Stefano. So, so I'd, I'd highly recommend that one. One of the most remarkable things about La Máquina, or the machine to translate it literally in, into English, Is, was that they they uh, didn't score goals quickly. They they just waited for for them to score because they they wanted to enjoy 
just to 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 feel the flavor of the victory, and and that is something that not every not uh, every team want uh, was capable of do of doing because uh, you they were in total control of the game and, and they do it, they did what they wanted. That's why they one of the most uh, interesting things about the ma the machine or la máquina was that. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's one of the the the, the things that, that that people mention about their, their romance that they could score at will and they they enjoyed just playing and toying with their opponents. Um, how much of it's actually true, I'm not sure, yeah. but it's folklore, as they say in Argentina. So there we go. But yeah, Pedernera, um perhaps not so much, uh, not so much our generation if they're just casual fans, but certainly talk to anybody, uh, any older fans. And, uh, another of the is a very big name. Another of the of the members of the of that brilliant team, which not Ferreira but Berna, uh, not Pernera, but Ferreira Bernabe, mm. Ferreira, was uh, he was called the mort el mortero de Rufino was the, the the nickname and was so so brilliant in his the way he played that he uh, permitted him to from for uh, for example and he admitted these these things eating a I know if in England there is a food like puchero, uh, but it's like a preparation with a, with meat and very very fat with a lot of fat uh, with with uh, potatoes and and, and well uh, and very very fat and he ate like a, 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 a food like that and and with red wine and then after eating and drinking he went to play just as as, as he ate. Mm -hmm. As after he ate the, the that that food which was with a lot of calories uh, and it was no no matter for him he did it the same so you you can figure how they played uh, with with information like this yes absolutely whilst Andres was saying that I just had to pause and cut a bit because I've just seen come up on Twitter that the 2015 Torneo de Primera Championship is going to be uh, played as already approved it says 30 um, 30 teams and 30 rounds of matches. Everybody plays everybody else once and two relegations at the end of it. So we're so not the, going to be going the, back the to... Back, uh, the back to 20 matches tournament is not... Uh, uh, well, it doesn't, won't. doesn't look like it, does it? Yes. And uh, also it's going to be named after Julio Brondona, fittingly. Uh, anyway, that's the questions. And happier news again. Because the, the questions put me in a far better mood than that. Awful piece of news. Um, Christopher Highland asked us to talk about Ferro so that he can use the podcast with his English student. I'm afraid that neither of us are really very well positioned to do that, Chris, and he did afterwards specify only if we're able to and have time. So uh, perhaps another time, give us a bit more um, advanced warning. most remarkable thing I can say about Ferro is that Alberto Marsico, former enganche from, that played for Boca, he started his career at Ferro. That's one of the Mm. As did Facundo Saba for yes. um, for Fulham fans, but and then of one of the most famous coaches was Grigol, who used to 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 kick players when they went out to the pitch. Not kick to give him a, give them a cheek a, to to a, just touch the kick, the cheek of the of the players like this a, after before they they went to the. Just to wake them up, right? Mm. That was another another thing I can say about Ferro, which was 
that those two things about Marsico and Grigol were one of the most famous. And they're the club located closest to the geographical centre of the city of Buenos Aires, yes. and they're also the only club in the whole of Gran Buenos Aires who have never moved their pitch uh, even an inch. So there you go. I, no, actually, that's not quite true. They have moved it an inch because they rotated it 90 degrees, I think, at one point. But um, apart from that, the centre circle is basically in the same place as it always has been. Uh, Jonathan Abdenour asks, what is everybody's favourite kit of all time? We get asked this one every couple of months by a different person, and it's never one that I uh, am particularly... I mean, there's such a wide variety of football kits to choose from. Kit. I, I'm, I'm going to go with the only river kit that I own, which is the 1986 Libertadores one. Shirt, I should say. I don't know. Shorts and socks. <laughs> that would be silly. Yes. And, and particular, not favorite, but was one of San Lorenzo. I, I think that they used it only a short period of time. Of They, they are called the Cruz. The, 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 the San Lorenzo uh, nickname. Cruz, yeah, yeah. The Cruz, sorry. And they they used a, a kit that was black and yellow like the crows. So ah. it was funny, not uh, not the best one, but what was funny. And well, of course, Boca de Rose. If we're talking about other clubs that we don't support, then I would say Federal in Argentine football is Federal, the one in the eighties with a massive Federal badge in the middle, and no sponsor is is an all time favourite. And of course, uh, talking mentioning sponsors, um, all boys with the big cow in the middle of the shirt just any iteration with the local dairy on it um, Soul Twin Jeff asks out of all of the Argentine clubs who've been world club champions who is seen as the greatest team I have saw this one earlier and fortunately have managed to bring up a list on Wikipedia of all of the Intercontinental Cup winners so the Argentine clubs who've been world club champions are as follows Racing in 1967 Estudiantes in 1968 Independiente in 1973, Boca Juniors in 1977, Independiente in 1984, River Plate in 1986, Dele Sarsfield in 1994, Boca Juniors in 2000, and Boca Juniors again, pardon me, in 2003. Which of those teams do you think is the greatest, Andres? Or, or, or would you say is, is most fondly remembered? It's quite bizarre, because although South America definitely pays more attention to the uh, the Club World Championship or the Intercontinental Cup. I, I, I'll clarify, by the way, I don't think any Argentine clubs have won it since it moved to the, the new Club World Cup system. Um, in fact, I know that they haven't. Uh, although South America pays far more attention to this competition than, than European sides do, I don't know how much they're really remembered in terms of comparing them with each other afterwards. I, I, I think that before it was more important for, for, for the European club that... that Oh, definitely before, now. yeah. I mean, before, uh, basically before the rise of Estudiantes ante yes. football side in, in the in the late sixties. Um, because there there was a, a first and second leg, and it was played in the countries that yeah of the of the teams that of the teams that that were the winners of the well uh, European Cup or the or the Copa Libertadores, and and it was they had to travel to that country, and it was more not I wouldn't say more difficult, but it was more important for for the both clubs mm. in this case or well uh, when there was the European South American uh, Cup it was only a match uh, in Japan now it was it is the club of World Cup which is mostly the same because at least it changed it changes the venue but in the end is the, the, 
is the match between the teams of Europe and, and South America. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, it's hard to define or to decide or to have an opinion of which is the best team or which was the one. And, and I have only watched against from from Vélez as, I, as far as I, I remember mm. up to now. So. And I think the other thing is that you just—it's it, very difficult to—you uh, you, you just don't see many comparisons. I mean, it, it, I think that Jeff is asking about the general uh, consensus on who's the greatest, but I don't really—I've not seen any comparisons between the winning sides. The one that gets mentioned all the time, obviously, is the Racing side in '67 because they were the first Argentine football team, national side or club side or anything to be and, and, and world champions. But they're so, not seen. You know, no one talks about them as the greatest. They're just and, seen and sometimes the, you watch the first. They're the pioneers. You watch brilliant uh, teams or, or very good teams that haven't won the the, the, the cup, mm. like for example, 1985 Argentina Juniors team that lost against Juventus, in which a team played uh, Michel Platini. So it, it was a very good match, a, a match that deserved win to win the cup and didn't win. So well, you have cases like that, for example. Indeed. Um... And, and the other thing is that everybody's so enormously biased here that no doubt they would go for their own examples. Boca fans will go for one of the Bianchi sides or possibly for the older one, depending on which which ones they can remember. No doubt River fans will tell you that the team that beat Stoya Bucharest 1-0 in 1986 was the, the greatest ever. And it's very, very diff- difficult to win a match like that with for more than one goal. For example, Vélez defeat Milan for 2-0 with the Assad and Trota goals. After that, it was uh, very use, use, uh, usual to to watch matches that ended one zero or by penalties. So yeah, very tight and very even matches. Indeed. Uh, the next question is from Sivan John, who asks: Seems like the effort are arranging a friendly for Argentina, are arranging friendlies for Argentina away from Buenos Aires. Is this trend going to continue for a while more? Well, yeah. Uh, the the Portugal game at Old Trafford has all been confirmed, all but been confirmed for the 18th of November. It looks like they're going to be playing in that same week in Madrid against possibly Ecuador. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean it's it's always the case anyway. They very rarely play friendlies in Buenos Aires because there's no money here. <laughs> this this makes this opens a, a, a debate, of course, but it will be needed to it will be a must to 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 stop the 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 rounds of the of the tournament of of the national of the of the countries when there is a FIFA date and, and official friendlies, uh, and especially when there is a, a, a neutral neutral venue like for example against Ecuador in Madrid or Portugal in in, in England, so there are, there are matches that that you have to to go abroad and travel a lot of time, and the and the tournament is is, is going on so. That's something to think about. Of course, the, that it is a lot to, to ask to AFA to to think about this because they they hardly think about anything. So yeah, but I mean, just more broadly, international friendlies happen in order to earn money, and you don't. If you want to earn money, then you don't do it in in Argentina. <laughs> this is not a place to come to yeah. to earn money. Um, you do it abroad and you sell your product, your Argentine product, especially if it's the Argentine national team, um, abroad. And that's why you take it and play Brazil in Beijing and Hong Kong in Hong Kong and Portugal in Manchester and so on. Um, Ellis asks, what on earth just happened in the Godoy Cruz Tigre match? We hope that our uh, live commentary as such 
um, was uh, was okay for you. He was asking this just after they scored the third goal in fact, Godoy Cruz, so uh, he's obviously been watching with us, but it was a rhetorical question, and there we go. Liam Kelly says, is Guido Rodriguez the next, the next talent to come through Rivers Academy and establish himself in the first team? I don't know. I'm going for Lucas Boschet there. He's not really established still yet, but he's... Um, He's had a bit of a run. He, he's he played at the weekend, and he's going to be playing again on Thursday night because of Teo Gutierrez's absence. And he looks just slightly higher up the pecking order at the moment than Rodriguez does. Maybe uh, the the fact is that Guido Rodriguez is 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 uh, having some space in the first team because, of course, Cranevita is injured, mm. and Poncio is the perhaps main centre midfielder. But there are two competitions, and that's why. Either Rodriguez is having some minutes in the. Yeah, how how quickly he's actually going to establish himself is. Um, no, I don't think he will establish in the short uh, period of time. He will be. It's more for a promise for future. I, I like the way he plays. Mm. He has good pass of the ball. Uh, good, it's like a, like we say here, good feet. He has good foot, so uh, I, I expect expect him to. To have minutes now and perhaps uh, by next year he will be. I know he will be back in reserves, but uh, I think he 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 have to take advantage of the minutes he he's given now because uh, well, can I be that he's injured as, as I said. Yeah. So, uh, but and, and Boche is missing goals, but he he has the, the talent. He's uh, I think he, he he's good, but well, the, the other day against News, for example, before the match, the goal that scored the Funes Mori, there was another corner kick in which uh, uh, I know the player that headed the ball before him, but he headed the ball and it was a, uh, it hit the post and it was bad luck for him. For yes, Lucas indeed. Bocchetti. Yeah, I mean, he's undoubtedly talented, but I, I'm. Uh, yeah, and as we say, he probably won't be coming through and establishing himself straight away. It's, he's going to be yeah. rotating perhaps a little bit and possibly potentially also with Syria. But he's established now. So he will have to... Well, uh, if, if the goal opens for him, it would be, uh, uh, of course, a good help for him. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In a way, Kranovic's injury could be... It's his chance to come through... Get a few games, but it could also end up being a, a hindrance to him because you'd have to assume that Kranovic having a broken foot means Kranovic doesn't go anywhere in January. Sticks around for at least another six months, and then Rodriguez is, is, might find his delay, uh, his his um, development slightly stunted there as well. But at the same time, of course, River have got the Libertadores um, in the first half of next year, so there might well be a need for rotation again. So if Rodriguez can get some first team football under his belt now, then all the better for that um, from River's point of view. The next music that you hear, ladies and gents, because those are all the questions, thank you as ever for sending them, um, is Mystic Sam's theme music. And when you come back, I will be predicting this weekend's matches for you. Hopefully I'll manage more correct than I did the weekend just gone, which was two out of ten. Don't go anywhere. Okay, here we go. This weekend's matches get started in La Plata, where Gimnasia host Olimpo. I think that that one is going to be a Gimnasia victory. Quilmes against Atletico de Rafaela later on Friday evening, um, I think will be an away victory for, for Atletico. 
Banfield against Estudiantes on Saturday should be a Banfield win because Estudiantes are very poor away from home. San Lorenzo against Independiente, the first classical kind of, it's an all big five clash. Um, I'm going to go for an Independiente win. Defensa y Justicia against Lanús should be a Lanús victory. Rosario Central versus Newell's Old Boys, the big, the classical Rosarino, which we've singularly failed to um, preview here. Wait, we should do a little bit of that in a minute. Let's do that in a minute. Um, it's going to be a draw. Racing Club versus Vélez Sarsfield. Um, I'm going to go for a Racing win. Just about, maybe. They'll probably balls on them. River Plate against Belgrano has to be a river win. That's a massive grudge match, of course. It's not a classic goal, but it is certainly uh, one with some history. Godoy Cruz against Boca Juniors. I'm going to go... I've not written my prediction for this one yet, because Godoy only played tonight, but I'm going to go for a draw, I think, um, in that one in Mendoza. Tigre versus Arsenal de Sarandí, I think, is a Tigre victory. Arsenal have been very poor away, and Tigre very, very good at home. Even before Allegra left, in fact, Tigre um, were very difficult to beat at home. So then, the Classico Rosarino, if you want a proper uh, preview, more general and less time-sensitive preview of the Classico Rosarino, you should look up the episode of Hand of Pod that we recorded one year ago um, with uh, our friend Jonathan Gilbert, um, who had written an article just before that for the New York Times on the uh, the, the Rosario Classico. But just in terms of the, lo- the, the form that both sides have got at the moment coming into it, as we mentioned already, Newell's a seventh. But with a victory, they'd go up to 20 points and be joining the title race again if a couple of the other sides uh, drop some points. Central not doing quite so well. Central, have, their problem really is that they can't turn defeats into draws. They've won four, drawn one, and lost six. Uh, they're down in, in, in 14th place. And yet, it's the classical. And Central, especially at Central Stadium, it always seems to, to go more their way, doesn't it? Um, are you looking forward to it? Is it going to be a decent game? Is it going to be an ugly game with lots of people kicking each other? It's probably going to be both. Something so so special, so different than to to, to preview something is 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 quite difficult because Central is really really doing is a very poor form and news lost against River and as I said after the goal from Funes Mori it was like well this is it. Just we, we we will just play the classico and, and 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 they were waiting for this for this match and but uh, to preview something is very very hard. In terms of the form, just the most recent matches, Central are on three consecutive defeats, and Newells have won, uh, have drawn two and lost two of the last four. So we're not talking about two teams who are coming into this in good form, as, for instance, we were a couple of weeks ago with the Super Classical. Um, by any means, it's, it's not a particularly appetising prospect, but it should be noisy. Talking about the names, for example, of the, of the teams, News has Skoko, Bernardi, Maxi Rodriguez. They have names that can make the difference. And Rosario Central has, as a, as a man of experience, not... Not a, a man from Rosario, but they, that he has experiences abroad, for example. Mm. But uh, I think that News has some advantage because of that, of the of the perhaps the team and the and the and the players that have born in Rosario and have experience about the the Clásico. So if I had to put the winner, because you say no, but you have to say who will win. I put half 
to zero or uh, not even one zero but uh, to Newell's a very very slight advantage so you're saying Newell's are definitely going to win Mr. Sam's going for a draw in in, uh, <laughs> in conclusion uh, that does conclude our podcast for another week it's been a short episode because there are only two of us we've been recording for a mere hour and 11 minutes uh I feel like I deserve a medal whenever we manage to, to keep it under an hour and 20. Um, so thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Please come back next week for more fun and games with Hand of Pod and more for Net. Um, well, for us anyway, if not for you listeners. Uh, but for now, it is goodbye from Andres. Thank you and goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>